Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Driving through Northumberland County, it is easy to spot various lots with woods or forest. It is one of the great attractions of living here. But the pressures to develop properties is constant. Many rural municipalities are overwhelmed by the number of applications to build on these lands. Many times, it involves clear-cutting the lot to build. The Northumberland Land Trust is an organization dedicated to preserving land in its natural state. People donate the land to save the woods or marshes forever. Even if the owner sells their home, the lands remain protected. There are 13 reserves, as they are called, in the county. More are slated to be added. If you are at all interested in keeping Northumberland County's natural beauty, you will want to hear what they have to say. I'm so pleased to have with me today Robert Kennedy, President of the Northumberland Land Trust, and John Gale, a Director of the Northumberland Land Trust. Gentlemen, welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. For those who may not know, what is the Northumberland Land Trust, Robert? Uh, The Northumberland Land Trust is an organization of volunteers. Uh, We are a registered charity in Canada. And our mission, our mandate is to establish and maintain and protect uh, beautiful natural areas here in Northumberland County. That is it, basically in a nutshell. John, is there anything you'd like to add? No, I think that covers our basic mandate. Uh, There's a lot of work that goes on that uh, most people never see, but uh, Rob encapsulated it very well. So tell me a little bit then, John, about this work that goes on that people don't see. Well, at the moment, we have 13 nature reserves. I believe uh, that Total area is about 1,200 acres, and uh, we have a, re- a steward assigned to each nature reserve. These stewards are responsible for knowing their reserve well, uh, establishing a management plan for the reserve and implementing the reserve. And that, that's actually quite a lot of work. Um, we now have one full-time employee, Laura Bozelli, who assists with all this, and that's going to make their work uh, significantly easier. But, but most people don't know uh, about all that work that goes on. When was the Land Trust founded, Robert? Uh, land Trust, or Thurman Land Trust, was uh, founded back in 2004. Uh, 
the current uh, version of the Northumberland Land Trust, if I can call it that, is a merger of uh, two land trusts uh, that were operating in Northumberland County. And it was roughly uh, three years ago uh, that we had a conversation and uh, together, the two trusts, and we decided that um, it was a good idea if we would uh, have some potential merger talks, uh, joining forces to become a, a larger, a more effective organization. And so uh, those discussions were started uh, with uh, selected delegates from both trusts, the Lone Pine Land Trust and Northumberland Land Trust. Uh, the Lone Pine Land Trust was more focused on the eastern half of the county, uh, the Cold Creek watershed. That's where most of our uh, nature reserves were. This is what we call our uh, individual tracts of land. And uh, so we started those discussions. Uh, we also had assistance from the uh, Nature Conservancy of Canada, which is the largest national uh, land trust operating in our country. And uh, they had representatives there as well during our discussions. And um, those uh, discussions were uh, successful and uh, the memberships from both uh, organizations unanimously uh, agreed to the merger. And so uh, we actually had our first joint uh, board meeting uh, with the two old, what I call old land trusts uh, back in September of 2021. Now, uh, we decided that as an organization, we would uh, continue under the uh, Northumberland Land Trust charitable status and registration and all that sort of thing and the name, simply because it was uh, the name was more descriptive of uh, where we operated. Uh, the Lone Pine Land Trust uh, could be anywhere here in Ontario just by the name. And uh, there, I mean, there's a lot of Lone Pine trees so uh, we decided to continue on uh, functioning as the uh, uh, the Northumberland Land Trust. And uh, yeah, and so uh, we've been operating now uh, jointly uh, under that name for the last uh, almost two years. You mentioned that there were advantages. Could you describe the advantages that were gained through the merger? Well, uh, the boards, for example, um, uh, uh, we're, we're part of the agreement was that we'd have uh, four members from the uh, Lone Pine Land Trust Board and four members from the Northumberland Land Trust Board uh, join to form the new uh, board. And I have to say that uh, uh, we uh, were able to have eight very good uh, people join the board together and uh, they all have excellent talents and gifts that we were able to utilize. Uh, we also now have a larger membership base, donor base. Uh, we are a larger entity. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that we did uh, within six months of our merger was have a, uh, what we call a brainstorming session. Uh, so on a Saturday, the board members got together and uh, we looked at past studies that we had outside consultants do for both organizations about the uh, the future of each trust. Uh, we looked at what other trusts were doing. And so um, we came to a conclusion, you know, that we had to update our website, uh, update our policies, uh, set some new directions and goals for the organization. And uh, that's what we did. And um, 
So we're really focused on that now. Uh, and uh, so there's a lot of positives that came out of it, uh, out of the merger. And uh, I cited a few here. And uh, so far, I'd say uh, I'm really excited about what's happening. It's uh, it's a real uh, pleasure being the president of the board and leading these people. And uh, everybody's very committed. And uh, we really enjoy what we do. We, I mean, we all have a passion for what we do. And I think that comes through with a lot of the board, all the board members. And uh, yeah, we're committed to the cause. It's interesting you should mention passion. Uh, wasn't the Lone Pine Land Trust started by Muriel Bram? It was back in 1991. So it actually precedes the Northumberland Trust. And Muriel, who I happened to meet one time, because I was listening on a Saturday morning, lying in bed to a CBC uh, morning show, and she was being uh, uh, interviewed on the radio, and uh, and she was talking about her nut trees. <laughs> and so uh, I found out she lived in the Grafton area, and I uh, found out where she lived, and I knocked on her door, and I told her why I was there, because I was interested in some of her nut trees, and... Uh, and so, yes, uh, uh, she invited us in, very wonderful woman, and uh, she told us about Lone Pine Land Trust, uh, asked us to become members, and we did, and uh, the story started there. <laughs> she was uh, very well known in the community as well, and I, I believe she served on municipal council in Haldeman Township for many, many years. She did, yeah. I'd like to go back for a moment, and... And just talk a bit more about this idea of a land trust. Because if you drive through Northumberland County, there are a lot of woodlots and there are other features that appear to preserve natural lands. So why do we have to put lands in trust? And what's the difference between a land trust and say a, a managed forest? What does the land trust actually do that's different? Are you directing the question to me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, a land and trust basically preserves a natural area for eternity. Uh, it's uh, uh, versus a managed forest, which is usually in the hands of private owners. And they may have similar goals as to a land trust, as long as they own the land. Uh, but who knows, uh, people move, uh, people pass on. And there's always that question, what will happen to that land? So uh, if people were to uh, donate their land, say, to a land trust, that land would be protected for eternity. Uh, that's our mission. And uh, that's, yeah, that's what we're all about. And quite often, uh, uh, the land is donated, uh, and it's uh, donated under what we call the federal government's Eco-Gift Program. And um, and that, in turn, has some very stringent requirements as far as to what happens to the land. Uh, basically, nothing should happen. It should be preserved uh, for eternity. And uh, so that, that's another insurance, uh, you know, to uh, uh, just yeah to ensure that the property uh, stays as in its natural state forever. So, John, uh, how would you describe the the difference of uh, between a land trust and and say the the things that we see when we're driving along, like the wood lots and, and other features that seem like they're just natural lands. Well, I, I think uh, Robert's use of the word eternity says it all. Um, legally, we are required to protect our lands forever. Uh, even in the case of 
of a, what's known as a conservation easement, where we don't own the land, but the uh, the owners wish the land to be protected. Uh, we can set up an agreement uh, with the owners, and that agreement is a legal document which is attached to the title of the property, and if the property changes hands, that uh, that agreement is still in force, uh, no matter who buys the land or who, how many times the land changes hands. So it's a, it's a difference of a, a legal requirement. If I have a managed forest, for instance, uh, on my property, uh, I may not get around to renewing that uh, agreement with uh, with the ministry, and uh, and that that uh, managed forest agreement would lapse. And uh, and similarly, if somebody buys my property, uh, in fact, uh, when we bought our current property, there was a managed forest on it, but, but we uh, we did not uh, keep that forest under the agreement, and uh, so that, that forest is no longer protected in that way. I wouldn't say that a managed forest has any legal protection. It's uh, it's a benefit to the uh, landowner if he wishes to keep it natural, but uh, uh, there's no legal requirement for for the owner to keep the agreement going. Robert, what about the difference between the Nature Conservancy, which also is a charity that protects lands, and and what you do? And I'm I'm thinking in particular now of the Hazel Bird. Uh, lands in Hamilton Township. What, what's the difference between them and what you guys do? Uh, to be honest, not a lot different. Uh, obviously, they have deeper pockets. They're, uh, you know, they have, uh, they're a national organization. So right across Canada, they have uh, properties. Uh, they're able to actually go out and purchase properties because uh, of the large donors that support uh, them. Uh, but to be honest, our missions are very similar. And uh, uh, again, they preserve the land for eternity, uh, forever. And uh, we have a lot in common. And actually, we work closely uh, with them. Uh, and uh, they assist us sometimes when necessary with uh, information. Uh, for example, uh, they have done a complete mapping of the uh, county and have prioritized uh, the land uh, throughout our county and uh, from a priority one down to a priority four about what is uh, worth saving from a natural perspective uh, and uh, ecological perspective. And uh, so that's information, for example, that they've been able to do because of their resources and they pass that on free of charge to us and uh, it's a real bonus for us too to look at that. And you know, when people approach us and uh, want to donate their land, then we can quickly determine, uh, you know, right from their mapping, uh, for example, uh, how, what priority level it would be. Do you offer this same uh, land map to the county? Because I know that they're very active in trying to preserve natural heritage lands. I, I mean, do you work with them at all? Uh, in that regard? Uh, I think the Nature Conservancy, current Nature Conservancy of Canada probably has. I can't say that for sure. I mean, they are the owners of that information uh, and we don't have, privy, you know, obviously we can't pass that on, but uh, uh, I believe they do. But, uh, you know, the county has their own staffing and their own sources. I think the, uh, 
the old MNR uh, had a lot of mapping done as well. And uh, I don't know, John, do you have any other uh, ideas of where uh, the county gets their information? Uh, no, not where they get their information, but I know that uh, some of our board members have attended public uh, information sessions uh, with the county uh, when they were doing the natural heritage planning, and, uh, and we've certainly provided feedback to them. I'd like to go back for a second on something you said, Robert, and that was... Uh that the Nature Conservancy does a lot of similar work to what the Land Trust does. Why do you donate your land then to the Land Trust rather than just everybody going with the Nature Conservancy? <laughs> well, that's a good question. I mean, uh, we are a local presence. Uh, you know, all our volunteers and our one employee that we have all live locally. Uh, people always like a local aspect to uh, donating. Uh, donating uh, land and uh, and uh, having it managed locally. Uh, I'm not saying that NCC is uh, not has no local representation. They do, uh, but uh, you know they're a national organization. They also have limits, and they also have priorities of areas that they're looking for. And so those priorities may be different than ours. Uh, for example, you mentioned the hazel bird. I mean uh, that's a uh, basically an old prairie landscape that they're trying to reestablish uh, and with all the animal life and bird life that goes with it. And so that's a priority for them in our county. So that's uh, their largest presence. They also own a fair bit of the uh, land on the Oak Ridges Marine. Um, and uh, so those are other areas, uh, you know, that they are trying to protect. So our, our focus is maybe more spread throughout the county. We, uh, you know, when we're approached by a, a a donor or a potential donor, uh, uh, you know, we'll take a look and see where it is. And, uh, it, you know, whether it's on the lakeshore, Lake Ontario, or uh, on the Cold Creek watershed somewhere, uh, you know, we're open to areas, anything that really, uh, that uh, maybe uh, the Natural uh, Nature Conservancy of Canada may not be interested in. So, um, you know, we supplement each other in that way. Some people might be listening and saying to themselves, there are all kinds of provincial parks. Like, I mean, we even have three in Northumberland. There's Peters Woods, there's Ferris Provincial Park, there's Presqu'ile. Isn't that sufficient in terms of protecting natural areas? What do you think, John? Well, one big difference between provincial parks and land trust land is that provincial parks uh, encourage visitors uh, who pay to visit and uh, the numbers can sometimes overwhelm the natural features that uh, that are at the park. Uh, our lands are not often visited, and uh, nature really, in a way, has a better chance of of uh, maintaining its natural state. Robert, you do remedial work on these lands. I'm a little curious, if your goal is to preserve the natural habitat, why not just leave them to Mother Nature? Uh, we do, uh, to be honest. Uh, a lot of our properties, we don't do a lot of uh, improvements, if you want to call it that. Uh, some areas we do, but uh, for example, uh, we let nature for the most part take its course. Uh, what we are most concerned with on most of our properties 
is uh, the increasing uh, risk and, uh, and, you know, of invasive species, uh, you know, like dog strangling vine, buckthorn, uh, plus others, uh, you know, that we try to control and limit. And uh, so that's probably one of our biggest activities. Um, we recently uh, also have been trying to reestablish on some of our properties that are suited to it, uh, two of them, uh, uh, we're going to have burns this spring. And that's to reestablish again, uh, prairie type uh, plants and uh, bird life and things like that uh, on those properties. Uh, that uh, would be best suited for that. So, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, we do let nature take its course and uh, uh, nature is the best at creating nature. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, that's the way we look at it. John, I, I, I'm curious, you mentioned earlier about stewards, people that watch over these lands. Could you maybe then describe the role of the steward and, and what that person's supposed to do in, in, in relationship to the land trust? Well, we have monthly meetings where most of the stewards gather together to talk about their property, what needs doing, and, uh, and we try and organize a schedule for getting the things done that uh, uh, we want to do. Uh, as Rob says, for the most part, we tend to let nature run it course, but uh, there are so many invasive species that if left unchecked uh, would just overrun most of the properties. And Rob mentioned uh, dog strangling vine and buckthorn, but there's garlic mustard, there's phragmites, there's scotch pine, there's autumn olive, uh, there, there's, and there's all sorts of uh, invasive insects that uh, can become problematic. So we we do feel we need to put a lot of effort into controlling these things. Um, I think I think the stewards' uh, main job is to know the property well and recognize when something needs to be done. And uh, then as a group, we, we organize a time to do it. Sometimes it involves uh, fencing. Sometimes it involves putting up appropriate signage. Uh, occasionally we, we do a little trail work, mainly to allow stewards to get to the parts of the property that they need to get to. Um, but trails, of course, can encourage people, and too many people can work against what you're trying to accomplish. So we, we don't really encourage visitors. We, uh, uh, we certainly are happy to have birders um, and photographers, naturalists, and an occasional hiker um, to visit the properties. But, uh, but we don't don't actively encourage large numbers of visitors. Robert, with all the pressures of development at the top of mind for municipal and provincial politicians. What are the trends that you are seeing that have you and your fellow members of the board on the land trust concerned? Uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, here in Northumberland County, uh, we're basically on the edge of the, uh, you know, the growing population uh, coming towards us from the, uh, the West, uh, GTA. 
and Durham region. And uh, we see, you know, anytime you drive towards Toronto and Durham region, and you can see all the urban development happening. A lot of natural areas are being lost permanently uh, once development has occurred. So we see an opportunity here in Northumberland County, uh, although we are starting to experience some of those population pressures as well, and we see our towns growing and development happening. Uh, we think now is an opportune time to really raise our profile and get people talking about what it means to re, you know, preserve the natural landscape here in Northumberland County. So, uh, you know, our goal is to try and encourage people to think about an option to do that through uh, their land act, lands that they do own that do have larger natural landscapes, forested, uh, could even be farmland for that matter. Uh, you know, consider maybe donating that to land trust to save it, you know, forever. And uh, so we see an opportunity here right now. Uh, we have, you know, a lot of people that came here to the county over the last 30, 40, 50 years. Some are much longer term residents. You know, they've had families living in this area for a long time and uh, they, they have acreage. Uh, they love where they live. Uh, you know, they've looked after it, uh, cared for it. They're passionate about saving it. And so, you know, we're being approached almost on a monthly basis by people who want to save their land. So they come to us and say, look it, you know, we want to save this land uh, forever. We, we fell in love with it. It's been a family, family heirloom forever, uh, or even just for the last 30 years. And uh, I can only, I can speak for myself. Uh, uh, you know, I owned uh, 107 acres of wetland uh, on the uh, Cold Creek watershed, and um, I felt the same way. And, uh, uh, you know, I was brought up uh, loving nature. I remember my parents, I came from the Toronto area, but, you know, going to the Bruce Trail and hiking, uh, you know, every Sunday afternoon <laughs> and on the Bruce Trail and, and getting that sense of, and love for creation. Uh, and nature and uh, so and then camping and all that and I've instilled that in my children as well and my wife we all love it and so uh, the more we can do now uh, to perhaps even you know having our land trust create a, a green belt <laughs> across our county would be amazing you know and uh, the more we can save like that I think for future generations they're going to really thank us and appreciate what we have done. John, Rob has just mentioned the green belt, and we've just witnessed decisions around releasing pr protected lands within that area by the provincial government for development. And we've watched as the Duffin, Duffin Rouge protected agricultural lands um, in Pickering are under pending threat. When you hear about these things, how concerned or what are the takeaways that you and your group have watching these things happen in the news? Uh, I, I would say most of us are very concerned. Um, it's the current policies seem to encourage development and uh, uh, politicians in general feel that they must increase their population so as to provide uh, a good a labor force for, for the economics of the whole situation and 
and increasing population and the housing required for them is is tending to wipe out more and more natural areas. And that, in my uh, long now, 60 years in this county, I've seen again and again the progression from forest uh, to chopping down the forest and making it into agricultural land, and then that agricultural land becomes a subdivision, and uh, that pressure just continues to grow. Uh, I really feel that there are far too many people, certainly on the planet, and, and I believe everywhere. Uh, we've got to find ways to limit growth because no growth is sustainable. Robert, do you see any trends locally, either by the county or various municipal councils, that has you concerned? <laughs> That's almost a little bit of a political question. I try to stay out of politics because, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there there are concerns. Uh, you know, John mentioned a little bit some of the uh, provincial policies that are encouraging development. Um, I, I also am concerned that the, uh, the uh, you know, responsibilities and uh, of uh, conservation authorities are being diminished, taken away. Uh, you know, and everything is becoming more pro-development. And uh, I think there's a balance there. Uh, obviously, uh, Ontario, Southern Ontario especially, attracts a lot of uh, newcomers to Canada. A lot of them want to settle here. They need homes. They need places to live. So there has to be a balance between, uh, you know, development uh, for both uh, industry and urban or residential uh, development. But at the same time, we need to protect the sensitive areas such as wetlands and forests, you know, that do exist and are still uh, worth saving uh, to do that. And um, so, yeah, getting back to uh, government policies and even local governments, to be honest, uh, when we come in uh, to a local council and uh, quite often our donors live on the land and they require a severance to uh, uh, basically separate the house uh, or home with two acres or so from the rest of the property that they want to uh, save in its natural state and donate to us and our severance is required. And I have to say that, that the staff and councils are very supportive when NLT, North Urban Land Trust, comes to council and asks for that severance. Uh, I have never yet, to be honest, uh, been turned down and uh, we have never yet experienced any negative talk about that. So overall, I have to say local councils are very supportive of uh, what we do. Could I jump in there, Robert? Please. I think things are changing that way to some degree. Uh, quite a few years ago, I was at a uh, local council meeting, and at that meeting, there was a representative from the Oak Ridges Moraine Trust who offered grants to this municipality uh, for uh, preserving land or any any project that might might uh, help to preserve some land. And at the end of that meeting, the, the mayor uh, basically said to this representative, look, every 
acre of land that you you guys protect uh, is a, an acre of land that we can't collect taxes on. So get lost. And I don't think we would ever get that sort of response these days. John, since you're the elder statesman in this conversation, I, I want to come to you with this question. When you are out on your land and you're walking through it, for those of us who don't have that privilege, can you tell us what it's like for you? What is the experience like when you're walking your lands and you're enjoying them? I, I assume, Robert, you're, you're talking about land trust land, not Yeah, land, land trust land. When you're walking through those lands, what, what's that experience like for you? I guess for me, it's, it's a sense of peace and relaxation. I think a lot of people feel those sort of emotions when they're out in natural surroundings, uh, which is getting harder and harder to do. But uh, when you are out there, just to be quiet and listen and watch, uh, the, the amount of wildlife that you, you can see on the land trust land is, is really quite surprising. In many cases, our smallest reserve is only 17 acres. Uh, but if you could get yourself into the middle of that, which is not easy because it's basically a, a swampy forest, uh, if you just get in there and, and sit or stand quietly and watch and listen, it's it's just peaceful and relaxing. Robert. What are the plans for the land trust going forward? Yeah, our uh, our annual general meeting. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned uh, on a previous question uh, that you had for me, uh, we did a bit of brainstorming um, a year ago or so, and we looked at areas of focus uh, for our land trust moving forward. So, we've done a lot of that already, improving our website and communications, but uh, there's lots more work to be done. Uh, we had to put together a new land securement policy. Uh, you know, we've hired, we needed to start increasing our um, uh, basically capacity building uh, in our organization. In other words, that means, uh, do we even have the ability to look after more land with stewards and, uh, you know, and the cost associated with looking after that land and our donor base fundraising uh, you know, all those different things. So those are areas of focus right now within the organization. Uh, but the sense I get to when I, I am at an AGM or uh, at a gala event that we had last October for our members, as uh, many of them come up to me and says, Rob, you know, we really want you guys to grow as an organization and we really want to see you guys protect more land. So um, I see that as one of our priorities is to increase our land base. Uh, thus far, our organization uh, receives uh, most of the land that we do have as donations. And I talked a little bit about that already. Um, and we are approached monthly by different people. Uh, you know, we have a land securement team that goes out there and visits the properties and uh, assesses them. And, uh, you know, um, 
We also advise the owner there's costs associated with making those donations. And some people can help us out with uh, covering those costs. Some can't, uh, but there are grants available. For example, we are presently uh, acquiring our property. Uh, we call it the, uh, the Lint property up near Myersburg, up just south of Campbellford. And uh, we applied for a grant to help cover the costs of acquiring a piece of donated property such as that. And uh, so we got a grant from the uh, Ontario Land Trust Association in conjunction with the Ontario government for $36,000 to help cover things like applying for severance and legal costs and um, uh, having a, a bio study done on the property and uh, survey costs, like all those things, they add up. And uh, so, uh, you know, that's one of the things that we are, are busy with and one of that our staff person now is able to do for us. So uh, having that full-time staff person certainly is enlarging our capacity to look at more land and, and potentially accept it as a donation and uh, see the organization grow. And then of course we need to increase our uh, fundraising and donor uh, base. Uh, we just recently hired a company called V Formation uh, they work very closely with uh, one of our sister organizations, the Gortha Land Trust. They came highly recommended. And so they're helping us with our communications, whether that's uh, through our website or online or you name it. Uh, and, uh, you know, so they're helping us with that, plus with fundraising and grant applications and uh, going after foundations uh, for uh, potential donations. So. Yeah, all those things are uh, in the works and happening. And so we're really excited. I, I'm excited about the future of Northumberland Land Trust. And I hope your listeners that uh, are hearing this conversation, uh, if they're interested to contact us, they can do that through uh, our website, nltrust.ca. And um, uh, there's lots of information on our website about our nature reserves uh newsletters uh how you can donate how you can help uh, check it out <laughs> robert kennedy john gale thank you so much for talking to me today thank you for having us very welcome that was robert kennedy president of the northumberland land trust and john gale a director for the northumberland land trust the annual general meeting of the land trust will take place on may 18th at 7 p.m at the Coburg Public Library. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, 
or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.